last time we just went hiking up there so it was totally different than this one I oh, like yeah. this site though that's a beautiful <laughs> little trail it is I really like it we got a really nice view of the lake uh, everything's fucking sick man today's a great day it's like perfect I'm not hot no I'm like extremely comfortable and it's really nice hiking in the winter is rad yeah you just have to have nice stuff and you're good yeah I, I just hated it growing up here because we never had nice snow gear. So you'd always get wet, and then you get cold, and it sucks. Yes! <laughs> yeah. like, well, now I'm in the snow. This is supposed to be amazing. Unless you go snowboarding all the time or something. It's just... It's, it's kind of like... And then, and then you classify that experience of like... I, this is what my winter experience was like yep. and it was it was not fun and so this is the territory of the known and so I'm gonna devalue the situation because I didn't have a good time and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stay away from doing anything in the cold because I had uh, that situation happen to me and so I, I want to avoid discomfort and so I'm gonna avoid doing winter hikes however it's like if you're bringing a wet towel to <laughs> to the gym and you try to use that wet towel, it's not going to work the same. It, it doesn't mean that, that going to the gym is a bad idea. It just means that you need to have the proper equipment to, to dry yourself off. If you're using a wet towel to dry yourself off, it's not going to work. And so like, if you go out and you don't prepare to, to be comfortable uh, in the cold, then you're just setting yourself up for having a bad experience. <laughs> it's like you don't know what you don't know. So the tools that you don't know you need, if you go out and you don't have those tools, your experience might suck. Yeah. And, the, and it just, it, it comes with just developing a relationship with the process. Cause like you do need to have that bad experience of being in the cold to then be prepared for the next time you go out in the cold. Like if you didn't have that bad experience, it, you would never be incentivized to get proper equipment uh as as much as you would uh if you're just trying to plan for that already like bad experiences really help us make great decisions because we learn from them and we don't want to repeat those same uh patterns of behavior because we didn't have a good time when we were doing that oh yeah well if you go out and you don't know that hey my toes get cold with this type of sock or this type of shoe and you go out your feet are going to be cold but learning from that experience you come back and you're like, I know, I need better socks. Yes. I need better shoes than that. What yeah. I had was not working. People need to understand that you need to develop a relationship with the process. And like, that's, that's how you learn to do anything. And so like, people just need to understand if you're having good and bad times, you're just learning. And like, that's all you're doing all the time. And you like, ha- learning from something that you would perceive as uncomfortable is the best way to prepare yourself to feel comfortable. And there's so many people I think that just think they've arrived and have learned it or don't need to learn it. But it's just, I don't know. You've never arrived. There's never, you've never learned it all. And you never will. You're absolutely correct. I, and, and that's the thing, because you were, you were mentioning earlier today about that gentleman that is 90 years old, and at 60, he became a photographer. At like 70, he became a, a, a painter, and he's just consistently learning. Selling like thousands of dollars in art. Yeah, it's incredible. But how many people stop and you get retired at 55, 65, and 
live our lives sitting on a couch then. Stop learning, stop working, stop growing, and then we all go downhill from there. It's, it's really unfortunate that we're taught to be obedient in school. We're taught that the value of what you're learning is so that you can be placed in a job, that someone will pay you money. Um, and after you're done with school, you don't need to learn anymore because you've learned what you need to to get a job. And that's it. That's all you need, right? But it takes away from the experience of being a human. We constantly need to learn. We're constantly learning every day if we choose to open our eyes to see the lessons. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate that like even my thoughts out of high school is like, oh, I'm so excited that I don't ever have to go to school again. And it's because in that environment... You're being taught just to be obedient and you don't really want that. Like school doesn't teach you to critically think or question question anything. It's crazy. And so you, you have to learn that on your own because it's not, it's not taught in school. And I think that's why people say that they learn so much being in college is because in college it's the same as high school. It's the same information, but now you're held responsible for absorbing that information. And the teacher doesn't like spoon feed you how to do it. To, to meet a system. And I think that's why people think they're like, oh, I grew so much in college. And it's like, yeah, because you have to take accountability for learning shit yourself. You can do that on your own all the time. You just choose not to. Like you need to have an authority figure tell you this is what's valid. This is what's important. And this is why you need to act on it. Like you need to know what's important for yourself like and learn. Education as it is, is terribly, terribly biased. Because even with a course, you can have different teachers across the board. And even the curriculum might be the same, but that teacher's perception and how they grade because of their perception drastically affects it. You could be taking the same class as someone else, just with a different teacher, same curriculum, everything. person could write the same exact paper, get an A in one class, and get D in the other. Yes. So our education system doesn't really teach you how to effectively learn. It teaches you how to try and learn the way that one person wants you to. Yes, the, the, how to be obedient, how, how yeah. to meet the, 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 the guidelines of whatever that person's trying to tell you. It has nothing to do with like understanding the concept in your own way. It has everything to do with, is your reflection the same as what I'm trying to teach you? Because that's how you learn. Into this mold. And I think that really takes away from actually learning because you were saying that like people learn differently. People have different communication languages. They have body mind like just like different forms of communication and so like where they feel auditory where they hear where why can't i think of visual you're Uh, good wow kinesthetic auditory and visual it works but so how is how is one of those like if you have a different so your professor has a different communication language right maybe he's visual but you're auditory And so maybe he's trying to teach that concept through a visual lens and you might miss out on the opportunity to understand what he's talking about because you, your brain doesn't prioritize information that way. And if it was described in a manner that you understood, uh, then then you could really get the, get that message. You're really trying to get across through to, to many people. Uh How many times do you ask a question and go, I didn't understand that. And so they repeat the same words that they used. And in turn, that doesn't help you understand it because you still are communicating in different styles. So it comes down to, you know, if you really aren't communicating in the same styles, 
it doesn't matter how many times you say the same words over and over again, your message isn't getting across. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) People just don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Dying of heat. Yeah, me too. I'm going to pop my jacket off as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, sure. (sighs) Grandma is doing edibles now. It's so, so interesting to see in a culture of Mormonism here in Utah that people with such a dogmatic mindset are able to actually open up their perspective a little bit. And I think some of it has been from discussions I've had over the years, as well as my father's new wife. So with her being in the medical field and prescribing medicinal cannabis cards as well, I think that helped him see a different perspective versus people just using it to get high. But now that he sees that it helped his mom and he understands a lot more in those discussions, he realizes that there's a big difference. And it's just dosing, like any medicine. 100%. 100%. It's insane that like people don't, people don't really think about dosage. It's very, very important. Because like if you were to take 200 milligrams of Adderall, <laughs> it's going to be a completely different experience than taking 5 milligrams of Adderall if, if you need to use that substance to help you. And so like people normal, if people classify experiences so that they can make them known. And so if someone were to take 200 milligrams of Adderall for their first time, they're not going to have a good time and they're going to associate Adderall with being a bad, uh, a bad thing that like you should never touch and like, don't do it. Cause it's so dangerous. I know because I've experienced it. It's like, dude, bro, you took 200 milligrams of Adderall, uh, take five milligrams. If that's what you're using at the therapeutic dose and that will make that medicine. And so dosing is, is so vitally important and people don't understand that. It's, it's, it's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, for someone who's been medicinally using cannabis for years now, I have a different tolerance. I don't give my grandma the same milligrams that I would take because she wouldn't be up for two days. A hundred percent. And like, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a very, very good point. Everyone has to develop a relationship with the process of a substance, anything, any medication you need to develop a relationship with the process. And that's why you're prescribed medications at a low dose. So if it's effective, you only have to take that low dose and that's your tolerance. And, and, and when, that no longer works you build up from there but if you started at 200 milligrams of Adderall say like you don't really have like that's where your cap like your tolerance will be set because you're taking that much for that long however you could have had much better results if you started low and and just gradually increased and that's understanding how medicine affects you makes it more medicine. <laughs> like, you take things to put yourself in states that you want to be in. And so if you're not being mindful of what you're putting in your body, then, and if you're not developing a relationship with the process, really trying to understand how is this medication actually affecting me, you're never going to understand it. And like, because you don't understand it, your body and mind are relying upon that substance for you to be in certain states and not yourself. So you, you don't give yourself the ability to understand what's happening 
and because if you understand what's happening, then that medication is way more effective because you're like, I'm taking this. I'm feeling this way. This is the way that I want to feel. And I know at this dose, it'll provide me this effect. And I know when I, I know when I delineate from that prescribed dose because I feel way different. And if you don't know the contrast of experience that you're going to have, then that medication is, is not serving you as well as it could be. How many of us are living in a disassociative life or unconscious, even in understanding our feelings, what it is we're feeling, why we're feeling? If we don't even know how we start, how are we going to know when we're in, incorporating a substance into our body how we should feel or what that feeling feels like? I think that that is a really, really good point. Everything I think starts with being aware of what is happening to you. Because if you're not having the right questions in your brain, you're not going to receive the best answers. So you need to be really present with knowing and trying to, trying to capture what you're experiencing because when you know what patterns to look for, then when you even engage with the unknown, it's so much easier. So if you, if you know what signs to be aware of. So if you're learning about a medication, you should understand all the effects and go into it with the intent of knowing a little bit about what might occur so that if you do start to notice you, have anxiety, you know why. And like, but, and then you can be like, this medication affected me this way because I was looking out to be anxious and it didn't just happen. And when it did happen, I expected it because that is something that's known to happen instead of going into it blindly, having anxiety and being like, this sucks. (laughs) That does suck. (laughs) It's crazy. Ah, it really is. Gorgeous day. Just watch the clouds and how they move and change in form. Just crazy how beautiful everything actually is in its own when you just sit and watch out. Observe the happening. It's really cool too because that cloud that we see right now, we're never going to see that cloud again. That cloud is like here right now and it'll never be that way ever again. And just the sheer fact of being able to observe this cloud is life because you're seeing a happening that's so unique to this moment and that's so, so special because we have a chance to build a relationship with this thing in the present moment, seeing this cloud. And we know that we're never, that cloud will never form that way like it is right now specifically. It might be very similar, but like that cloud is so unique. Why do you think we don't look at people the same way? Because 100%, that's the same. Every minute, every experience alters that person that much more. That person, like loving someone that you met 10 years ago, is going to change. And to say that this person will always be someone that I love in the same exact way, 
it's it's kind of interesting to see how we look at other humans and don't look at how incredible each person is in this moment that they will never be this same person in this second ever again that is a very very beautiful thought man <laughs> thanks for sharing seriously uh, just looking at that and hearing your thought i was like you know it's interesting because flowers, people, like everything, reality, everything around you is constantly changing. Even if it's just in your house, from day to day, the paint gets older, there's dust, things get moved around, nothing is ever the same. Yes. Everything is so, so unique in the present moment. And being, being able to connect to that and valuing it for what it is, being like, this will never be the same again. And I am basking in the moment and trying to appreciate what is happening. You just feel so rejuvenated. It feels so good to change your mind. You just feel good. You cannot value and devalue at the same time. And being present in the moment and seeing what's around you and be like, this is good is the best way to, to choose to value every situation that you're in. You were mentioning like things get dusty, things get moved around. And it's like that just provides you a different environment to then change it the way you want it to be. It gives you opportunities to have different experiences so you can create different change unique to that moment. And it, everything is just providing us opportunities to change, evolve, grow. When your house gets dirty, it gives you an opportunity to act on a value set and clean your house and feel good about seeing progress, seeing the fruit of your efforts. When you observe a clean room, you feel good. You see progress. This sense of satisfaction that you get by cleaning your own home is way better than putting your energy to give someone else your value. <laughs> when you work at your job, you don't get that same sense of satisfaction that you do when you clean your own room and control what you can control. And you do it the way that you want to do it. And the way that you do it is so unique and beautiful. It's like making a meal. Have you ever gone to a restaurant or made a meal at home not just any meal you know because we all burn stuff we screw stuff up taste terrible didn't come out how we wanted but those meals that you make that you're like man that was fantastic why do i go out and eat why do i pay someone else to do this that that i can create this same stuff but it feels better because i did it because i created this now it's beautiful to go admire people's art and and food is, you know, it's those, those admiring and viewing the beauty in other people, in their art, in their masterpiece, in their craft. And it, that's a good thing because it gives you an opportunity to learn. When you go and try new food, if you're a cook, you can see this is the contrast in their cooking. I don't cook like this, but this tastes really good to me. These are flavors that work well together. I want to learn how to do that myself gives a completely different meaning to eating that food than, man, I had a really good steak yeah. at Roos Chris, bro. I'm telling you, it's the best steak you'll ever have. And like, I always want to go to Roos Chris to get that steak because it's the only place 
in familiar territory to me that I know that that exists. However, they don't understand that they could learn the methods of how to cook that and enjoy what they enjoy so much more because you can do it more frequently because most people can't afford to go spend hundreds of dollars at a restaurant because they're living paycheck to paycheck. Even then, it's a feeling of accomplishment. If you can master that art, that craft, to create something that beautiful, whether it's art, you know, woodwork, food, you can create your own masterpiece. And that is a feeling of accomplishment when you do that. That's going to reward you more than ever going to someone else's because that won't create that feeling of accomplishment of reaching your goal working towards something it's just not there I completely agree with that I think that that sense of satisfaction of cooking your own dish cleaning your own room changing your own habits all of this has the, the, all of these things you see progression we are tribal creatures that needed to constantly work to survive you couldn't be a good hunter gatherer if you didn't hunt and gather you need to see progress in what you're doing to have meaning in life and so you don't feel meaning when you eat someone else's dish it gives you a dopamine release and it feels good and you can bask in the beauty of someone else's creation however when you create your own dish you feel that you see that progression you see what's valuable because you did it and you learn from it because when we learn it's only through lived experience we can't learn from other people's stories the same way that we learn from our own story because we're experiencing it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to people and try to avoid pitfalls that you may fall prey to as well because maybe you think the same in some ways. And maybe the way that you think about that specific issue is the same way that that person thinks about that specific issue. And then you can incorporate their mistakes and you can try to use that semi-known knowledge to look out for a sign that when, if that situation happens to you, then you get to choose what you want to do, but you went into that decision with more knowledge because you listened to someone else. You incorporated that pattern of recognition into your own mind so that you could be cognizant and look for that in the midst of dealing with that same situation that's unknown to you because you haven't experienced it. You can learn from a story of your parents, hey, or friends or whatever, I bought this car from this dealership. They added these fees that I could have avoided. But you don't know what that experience is like dealing with a dealership until you go there and experience that for yourself. You're not, you're not going to truly understand someone else's story. You, you, have to, you have to, anything learned has to be through lived experience. And that's why we choose to live. Well, I mean... I think we can learn in as well, hopefully, from others without having to live the experience. Not that 
all of us do or can ever even fully comprehend. But to have empathy or to put yourself in those shoes and to really sit in that moment to try and understand that person, what they're feeling, why they're feeling, where that experience came from, what experiences might have crafted their perspective and what type of insights that person would have from that. We can even review things that we have felt like we mastered and read someone else who has the same exact experience but because of their life experiences their perspective is totally different and we don't have to have that perspective to necessarily see or understand that perspective not necessarily adopting it I <clears throat> I agree with that I agree with that hardcore I think that you have to learn from other people's mistakes if you're trying to truly understand where they're coming from and incorporate that same thought into your mind but I guess I'm I guess I was trying to say that when if you've never engaged with the dealership you're not going to know what that experience feels like until you engage with the dealership but you should incorporate the knowledge that you were told and have that be known to you because you listened and that is known to you and you're you know that you need to look out for those signs but i guess what i'm saying is like until you've been to an ocean you you can see it you can see pictures you can be told that it smells like salt but until you are actually there and you feel that wind you smell that salt you hear those birds you feel that sand between your toes, you can't fully understand that experience. Kind of like someone can tell you what salt tastes like, what it looks like, you can see a picture, they can describe it all they want, but until you taste it, you don't know what salt tastes like still. It's an experience you don't have, can't have. That described what I was trying to capture. You said it very, very well. That is that's a really good example. You mind if I have a sip of that as well? Thank you, buddy. It's quite the snow. thinking the same thing these shoes are these little straps for your shoes are a game changer we would not be able to do this with slipping and it's cool too because they give you spikes so you can grab you can get a get a holding on snow before it falls down like with snowshoes you can like step on big powder because like uh, it's, it's cool it allows us to walk a lot more places which is really nice best $12 ever Go to Costco, snow tracks. <laughs> Man, it's I, I love that the place that we live, you can go to a different canyon and it's a completely different experience. Just like all around. It's like it seems like it's a whole different world. It's crazy. <laughs> like it's it's really, really cool how unique 
uh, every valley and canyon is. Like, it's so... And how many you can get to within 30 minutes of your house. Yes. <laughs> within 35 minutes, you can probably hit 10 different canyons at least. Have a different experience in each. It's, uh, we're, we're pretty blessed. It's, it's crazy that, like, when you're... <clears throat> wherever you're born... You're never going to truly appreciate it until you get outside of it and see the contrast. So if you're living in North Dakota and you travel to New York, it's going to be a lot different. New York City specifically, it's going to be a lot different experience. And you wouldn't know what to appreciate about North Dakota until you saw the contrast of how other people lived. You might appreciate that that place is calm or something and quaint instead of so busy. Uh, but you, you, you won't have that in your reality tunnel until you get outside of your environment for a little bit and then go back into it with a fresher perspective because now you've seen something that's different. And now when you're going into it, you see... The contrast, you're like, I just came back from a big city and I'm in North Dakota right now and this place is small and I see that it's smaller because I went to a big city and I appreciate the smallness of the town whereas before it was just small. I didn't appreciate that because I wanted to to have a new experience and now that I've had that new experience, I can see the, the value more in the place that I once knew. And I see it a little bit differently because now I've seen and experienced there's a different way of things. And those, the things that I experienced are very valuable in their own way because it's so unique. But this place is so unique too and there is things to value here. And maybe you'd see those values more when you see the contrast. It's true. I mean, leaving Utah, going to any place that's flat... I instantly miss the mountains. Come back here. I don't think I could live without mountains. It's really pretty. You look out the windows without them, and you're like, I see where people get the flat earth idea, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's well said, right? Like, you're living out in the south, and everything is flat, and trees all around you, and uh, the culture there is different it has a different education system a completely different set of values and your experience is catered to view reality in what you know and so if all you see is flat you see no contrast to that it would make sense that you may fall prey to those ideas because what you're observing in your reality matches some of the themes that they're talking about and you just apply what is known to you in how you understand that experience. And so if you live in a flat place and someone tells you about flat earth, you're like, oh, I see flat all around me. That makes sense. Whereas if you see mountains, if you're up high, you can see the curvature of the earth. Uh, you have a completely different perspective because you're seeing it from a completely different perspective. That's true. And truth's relative, right? <laughs> yes. Truth is relative. <laughs> Same as speed. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean kind of like light, the closer you are to light, the... Uh, I don't know. 
Too many elevation changes. <laughs> it's a thing. We're doing really good. We've mobbed yeah. it up this mountain. It's like it's too big. It is. I love that like when you're actually engaged in trying to be present with what someone else is saying, you forget <laughs> where like how far you've come oh, yeah. and like not thought about it. Because when you're alone, I think humans motivate humans. We're, we're tribal. Obviously, we're tribal creatures. It's easier. It's yeah. so much easier when someone else is doing something hard because now you see contrast. You see, this person's not giving up right now. Maybe I could go a little bit further because I see that this person is going a little bit further and I don't need to stop what I'm doing because that's just what I've known and I normally stop at this time because I feel uncomfortable. And like we need that human motivation to continue to run after those, (laughs) those like animals. Like Homo sapiens have this amazing ability to thermoregulate. Our ability to cool ourselves down and move at the same time allows us... Yes, it allows us to to take down any predator because predators, uh, any mammal can't cool themselves down and move simultaneously in a way that at a certain pace will keep them alive. Cause like, I'm okay. Um, these animals can't move and cool down at the same time. They have to stop and pant. We can move and cool down at the same time. And that's something that we had to work collectively to do. Uh, and, and by doing that, we had an opportunity to, to push ourselves because we saw that other people were pushing themselves and it motivated us to do the same thing. Little bird just hopping all over the place. It's interesting because up here, there are a lot less around humans, I guess. The little guy was right there. Ooh, that's really cool too. You were saying that these birds are behave differently because they're not normally around humans. It's crazy that like the a squirrel that you see in the woods versus a squirrel that you see in the city, that's a completely different kind of squirrel. <laughs> and like it's unique to where you're at in this present moment. And then you get to observe, wow, that squirrel interacts differently in the forest, has a completely different life. Uh, it, it survives completely differently than it does in the city. And so like you, you see squirrels and you're like, Oh, that's a squirrel, right? Like that's just, that, that's just what squirrels do. But it's like that it's, it's, it's not that simple because a squirrel in the city will behave completely different than a squirrel in the forest. And like, you're observing something that's so unique to where you're at. Uh, and if you don't connect to the present moment and kind of try to understand what that environment's like and how that squirrel may interact with that environment, you won't be able to have that experience of seeing that squirrel be different in that squirrel's environment. There was something crazy I watched. Do you ever watch Shark Week? Uh, I have not. <sighs> Terrified of sharks, but I love Shark Week. Um, there was a, apparently great whites normally hunt alone. Like they don't. They're not in groups. They don't... It's just not how they work. Off of Australia, there was this diving team that was over there checking out great whites. And they saw three great whites that, for multiple days, were swimming in the same areas, in the same patterns, swimming together. They all had the same markings. They looked like they were triplets. <laughs> these these great whites were doing just swimming in patterns and doing things that weren't common to great whites 
but it goes to situations. You know, where they are, what they're around. Maybe it's the fact that there's three of them. Who knows? Kind of like the connection in twins and humans, you know? They have a different connection than than other humans. I wonder if it's because they share the same womb, if their consciousness pre-being out in the way we communicate connects and communicates on a much deeper connected level than where we are at once we get out. I think this speaks to we are byproducts of our environment. And when people live in similar environments, they share more commonalities because they've experienced some of the same things. Someone that's living in Europe is going to have a completely different experience than someone living in the United States. Uh, their, their culture, their values, their upbringing is, is something so unique to that area. So those, those people may share more commonalities in the, of, in the sense of experience, but not necessarily more commonalities in the sense of this is what I value. Uh, but just when you're in America, we can all understand that medicinal advertisement on TV is a thing. We get prescribed pills all the time. If you're living in somewhere in certain areas of Europe, uh, you don't get those advertisements. So we share that commonality of experience because we both watched TV ads and in, in YouTube ads yeah. about certain medications, whereas someone in a different part of the world, they're going to interact with that same concept completely differently and, and, and share different commonalities uh, than we will because it's, it's so unique to that environment. And so it's really cool that like those sharks were on the same environment and, and you mentioned that had the same striped patterns. Yeah. That's insane. Like that's how creatures evolve, right? Like we band together, we do the same things and then our, our form changes and we're a different thing because we're, we're adapting to the uniqueness of that situation. And we were talking about earlier, regenerative, like regenerative farming and moving animals at certain, at certain places at certain times and mimicking natural environments that's unique to that environment. Those animals start to change. Their hair gets thicker. Their skin gets thicker. They, they, they have more nutrient dense meat. Their body physically changes due to the environment that they're in. And so that's crazy that you're mentioning the stripes on all these sharks that worked collectively. Cause like even whales, they were mammals at one point that went into the sea and did certain things and their body slowly evolved to fit that unique experience. And so it's kind of cool that we have a different opportunity at all times based off our situations of where we're raised to embody a certain frequency of, un, uh, of being in a sense, when you're American, you, you, have experienced certain things that are fit the themes of what uh, America is. And so like people living in America or people living in Europe or wherever you're from, any, any, the the place that's unique to you, uh, you're, you're going to have a completely different set of ideas that are, that are so unique to that experience. And you can band together with people and share certain value sets that are so unique to that thing it's so crazy that like like a tuning forks like er- everything is a tuning fork people share the same ideas they, they, they migrate to the same ideas and it's like eh, that's so unique to that specific time that specific and environment on, in that specific area with that specific uh cultural upbringing and everything it's so unique to that experience and like we can we can choose willingly we can choose this is what i want to be doing this is how I want to be evolving. Just like animals unconsciously chose, this is where I'm going to feed. 
and I'm going to reproduce and, and do things that make it the best to feed here. And we can do the same thing with valuable ideas the same way that we see creatures evolving. We can see that pattern. We can recognize what's valuable in thoughts. We see those patterns in evolution. We're like, how can we apply this same pattern to thoughts? Let's band together or stay in similar environments or practice certain behavioral techniques that will yield the results that we want, similar to how an animal tries to yield results of food in that environment and will change based off how to get food. So we should change how we want to go about changing our ideas and and, and try to really think about it. I mean, I, I think we see a lot of that even in the last year and a half with COVID and differences in how it affects day-to-day life and business, how many more ideas, um, shift in workforce services and that has come in the need to shift our ideas and drastically and fast. Yes. The, the need to adapt and not actually, um, you know, evolve in a timeline manner, you know, in the evolutionary stance, but in a instant. I think that you just did something that a lot of people aren't doing right now. You chose to see COVID as something that could inherently bring value. And this has been a trend. Uh, when, when COVID happened, you couldn't get video capture cards. A video Pe- capture card? Yes. So oh, people like, like to s- stream video games okay. on their console. Okay. And so like if you want to be a streamer and, and, and stream your video from a console to a computer, you need to have what's called a capture card. And it captures the information, the, the sound and video on the, the console, and then it converts it into a format that can be recognized by a computer. And you need to have this if you want to stream from an Xbox console or a PS4 console. And so that is a, is, is, is a, it's a tool that is used by content creators And when COVID happened, there was a lot of people that their life now is completely changed. They can't do the same things that they did before. And and now they're seeing contrast. They're seeing this is a way, this is a different way to live reality. Post COVID, pre COVID. Like it's a different, it's a different world that we live in, in the midst of this COVID than we did outside of COVID. Like there's certain restrictions. Uh, We didn't, we don't interact with our environments the same way because the rules have changed a little bit and now we're seeing contrast and we're yearning for the days uh, prior to COVID happening. But COVID, I think, was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm so excited that we, we had a pandemic response because it allowed people to now have some free time that they could not afford before. It, it gave people an, an opportunity to like... I think that they didn't afford that we, that we don't afford. Not that we can't, but how many of us just genuinely feel like we don't have the time or can't make or take that time? A hundred percent. And now that time was forced upon them. Yeah. That time was forced upon them. And now they, they're starting to think, whoa, like things are different. Like, like I can be creative with my free time. And, and, and like when COVID hit, you could not get a capture card. And that is a reflection of people are now given the opportunity to have free time that they didn't before. And they chose to value that situation and start to try to create things where, because now they're, they're, the, the, that time is forced upon them. So now that they, they have time to try to be more creative, whereas their agreements with themselves 
post-COVID, they were just agreeing, I don't have the time. However, you, you're just telling yourself you don't have the time. You didn't create time. And now this time is forced upon you. And so now it, I think it gave some people an opportunity to be creative if they chose to see that that could be something of value and acted on it. Because for me personally, I created so much content. I was so creative. I had so much free time that I didn't have, that I, that I chose not to have prior to COVID. And like COVID to me was a blessing because it gave me free time and I chose to act on what is valuable to me. And I saw progress in ideas and content that I was creating. And that was, it was such a big sense of satisfaction to me. And I didn't even care that I had like no money at all because I was seeing progress in my life. And it was, it was, it was so rewarding that I chose to do something that I valued in my free time. That sense of satisfaction that I got working on my own projects during COVID, uh, I never received that from work ever, even on the best day. Like never, ever, ever. I was choosing to live my dream and not choosing to live the, the dream of another person. When you're working for a company, you're working for someone else's dream. And you're, you're doing things to help them make their dream a reality. If you're running a restaurant, if you're working at that restaurant, you're choosing to sacrifice your dream to live someone else's dream so that you can get something of value. However, that person is just living their dream and you can live your dream as well at any time. Like act on what's valuable to you and you'll see the, the fruits of your efforts. Like you'll be able to be a CEO instead of just a worker in a company giving your energy to someone else's dream. Like, well, I, yes and no. I'll, I'll give that a little uh, devil's advocate on the other side. Is coming from someone who's tried to start their own business and learned so much in the process. Um, I think there is not necessarily everyone with a mindset to be a CEO because not everyone has that entrepreneurial mindset. They don't. And there are some people who need direction and structure and need to be given that day-to-day assignment of this is what you need. And that's not, it's not good or bad. It's just, it is that person and what works best for that type of person. It doesn't mean that they can't learn or grow or do all these things or even have amazing ideas. But I don't think the role of CEO is, is for everyone. Because it takes a different type of mindset. And maybe people can learn that mindset but it is something that takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, and it takes patience. Do you meditate? I do. How often, how often do you meditate? Um, so I have, I, I go in the stana pretty much every day for like 30 minutes to an hour. And, and that kind of is a forced meditation uh, because I just have to be present with cooling my body down and it's a different kind of meditation and I think I do need to to delve into different kinds of meditation as well I think that meditations are there's there's so many ways that you can do it and like the intent that you have behind certain meditations uh will change that meditative experience and so I think that I do need to develop develop a relationship with the process of trying to be uh have different intent in my meditations. And, and I think that I, I, I'm a novice, but I, I have so much to learn, uh, when, when it comes to, to that, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just starting to develop a relationship with that process. The only reason why I ask is because <clears throat> speaking on time and, 
finding the time or not being able to find time, I found over the years that when I do truly try and meditate more, even though I am setting aside time to meditate, which takes out time out of my day, I end up finding more time because of the clearness of my head, the lack of anxiety and stress, or the ability to manage and process that in a better way to, you know, help propel me forward. So I think a lot of us are constantly so stressed that we don't ever take time to be present, to be in this moment where all the little day-to-day things that are, are truly not important that weigh down on us get to us. And it causes so much hindrance in our life, in our goals, in what we want to accomplish, even in day-to-day things. How many people sit in depression? I know I have, sitting on a couch, staring at a wall. Whether it's out a window, whether it's a TV, whether it's, you know, their phone, or whether it's literally just staring at the wall because they're sad, because they are depressed, because we're anxious, because we're fearful. But if we, if we become present in that moment, realize all of that is stuff we are feeling, and look at why we are feeling that, we can choose, because feelings are a choice, we can choose in that moment to feel motivated, to feel driven, to feel happy, to feel grateful, to feel successful, to feel wealthy. I, <clears throat> that is very, very well said. Very, very well said. I think that in my mind, <clears throat> you're describing the act of trying to be present in the moment takes you outside of your habits for a second. For one second it does. If you're present in the moment, and if you're normally anxious or depressed, and you're, you're just embodying that emotion, you're embodying it fully. When you're present with trying to be observant of what's around you, it temporarily takes you out of that state. It doesn't mean that you won't still feel anxious or won't still feel depressed, but it means that now you're trying to, to see other patterns outside of your subjective lens. And by seeing patterns outside of your subjective lens, it takes you outside of your subjective lens for a second because you're trying to understand what it, it's like for, like, if you're looking at that tree, you may think, what, what is it like to be that tree? I'm not that tree, but that tree is a thing. And when I'm focusing on that tree, I'm no longer focusing on the words I'm telling myself in my head. And I think that, that you're absolutely correct. Being present, being medit- meditating, being present with the present moment and trying to see things outside of your subjective lens is the only way that you can gain a fresh perspective of how you think and you can choose how you think all the time. It's, um, I want to say it's Einstein, but it might not be. Don't quote me on that. But he basically said, a problem cannot be solved with the same perspective that created it. And so in order to see that problem and solve it, if you're, if you're stressed, say you lost your job, you're worried about finding a job. If that is all that is on your mind, do you think you're going to be in a healthy mindset? Do you think you're going to be able to get the best job that is necessary for you in that moment? Do you think you're going to have that same confidence that you need going into those interviews? 
because you're going to go in going, man, I need this job. Man, I hope I get this job because I got this bill and this bill and this bill. And in that moment, all you are thinking about is the stress, the fear, and everything that's created. And how are you going to solve that problem in a most, the way that's most beneficial for you and your life if you're living in that? And if you can't take a minute, step outside of that perspective take a step outside of yourself look at the situation genuinely take a look at you not from the lens that we typically view ourselves because we are our harshest critics but in the perspective of you know um, an outsider's view because we can look at other people friends, family members how many people do we forgive so easily or look at and go yeah but you know You had this going on in your life. Or you had this going on in your life. I can understand that you would have that. But yet we look at ourselves and go, what the heck is wrong with me? I did this? What a piece of shit. Like, what a garbage person. And yet we can look at someone doing the same thing and go, man, I feel bad. They must be going through so much. And we have such a different loving approach that if we looked at... ourselves in those same filters how many times can we look at someone and go that's terrible that they did this but you know they've got such talent in this area this area and this that they should go and do this and i bet they would be fucking fantastic but we can't see that with ourselves because we look at ourselves yeah we look at ourselves and we go man i don't know how to do this i'm not an expert in this but how many things do you do unconsciously that other people struggle with every single day. I look at it and I go, for me, riding a motorcycle, it's reflexive. It's instantaneous. There's things that I do that in my head, it's not even a thought. It is an instant reaction to trained reflexes in my body and in my mind your body has become your mind when you're reflexive when you do it without any thought your body is is the mind but then i experience how many people struggle have no idea or are terrified to ride a motorcycle yet i am more comfortable more centered more at peace i feel almost a zen-like peace on my motorcycle because in that moment nothing exists out of that. I am so hyper-focused on everyone's eyes as I'm coming up on their mirrors. Is this person looking at their phone? Are they looking this way? Does it look like they're thinking of getting over? Probably not going to use their blinker because half the people don't. Like, you are so, so in that moment. And you're using your eyes, you're using both your hands, you're using your feet, like each one. Like, you're using your whole core because you're leaning. Like, there's a whole thing to that. And you think, how many things do you do unconsciously that you could be a master at, that you could teach so many classes, so many people that would love to learn the things that you know. Yet we look at it and go, man, if only I had some skill or something that I could do that brought value because, gosh, I just lost my job and I suck at this and uh, I feel like I'm not going anywhere or doing anything because we don't see ourselves in the same filters that we see others. I 
think that you are absolutely correct. And I agree with everything that you just said. Like, holy shit, you have an amazing ability to capture thought in a, such a digestible manner. Like, I've, I've learned so much from you today. And so thank you. Thank you for being the kind of person that you are and, and sharing the ideas that you have. Your ideas are extremely valuable. And I, I'm grateful to to be able to get to share this opportunity with you, man. Like seriously, this means a whole lot. And like, thank you for being you. Like, I love hearing your ideas and just having our discussions. I feel like these, these types of connections and real discussions are what, what humanity needs to realize that we are all human. We can all be loved. We all have value. And we all have something we can bring to the world, to the, you know, your family, to your friends, to yourself. I think that that is what I was trying to describe earlier. You said it better than I did. When I was talking about you can do what you want to, and you were mentioning like not everyone can be a CEO, and you're absolutely correct. I, I took a business class. Uh, I flew out to like a different, a different state and talked to all these entrepreneurs, uh, and they were saying not everyone is going to be an entrepreneur, and that's okay, and, and it's totally fine. No, Not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur, but we all do have something unique to us that we can bring. That we, yeah, we all have something to offer, and I guess what I'm saying, when you're not living your dream, when you don't see what's valuable to, to, in your experience and, and offer that up to the world, like you're not going to get a sense of satisfaction you're not going to get like the, the same satisfaction out of life that someone that's trying to do that for themselves. Like no matter what it is, it doesn't ma- like you, everyone has something to offer. Everyone is so uniquely valuable. doesn't mean you need to create merchandise and content like be a CEO. You don't need to do that. But what you do need to do is bring what you, you ha- the valuable about you and share that with other people because everyone has something valuable about them and and people just think that they do not because they work in in systems that they're not able to flex those skills that they 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 have valuable because you're you're working and you you need to embody uh a, a worker if you're in in the restaurant industry if you're a server you need to embody a server because what you value doesn't matter at that moment to get money because you have to, you have to, to change your character in a, in a way you're still your person, but you're a different person when you're working versus you're a different person outside of working in the, in those environments, because now you're fully you and you can act and and behave in the way that you want to act and behave. And you're, you're, we're all social chameleons when it comes to interacting with, uh, different ideas. When you're in a church, you're going to behave differently than when you're at a mall. Like you're going to behave differently inside uh, a work environment than you're going to behave differently in a forest. So we didn't, what do you mean? What if we didn't act different? What if we showed up as the same people everywhere we work? I think that we should. And I think that, I think that we can, we can show up to the plate and bring our value sets to uh to any situation i i guess i'm saying that like the way that we experience life is just unique to our environment like we're behaving differently in the woods we're still bringing us with us to the woods and we can bring us with us to our jobs i guess i think a lot of it's the fear we are afraid to show up as who we are i mean how many people are like hey you know show up at work truly show up at work and go hey you know what this is what's going on in my life. This is the stress that's happening. How many people are truly real or are afraid to be? Because 
in this world, success isn't defined by you being you. Success is defined by how other people view where you've gotten. Yes, you said exactly. I, I believe I was that what is I was trying to grasp at is like success is not determined in that factor of work of you being you. It's it's not like it's a different it's a different But instead of going into this box, we get hired on as a position and hoping that everyone will fit into a position. Instead of having people at a company who analyze people's strengths and weaknesses and put them into positions that will benefit them and help grow the company, that will also value and enhance that person's quality of life and time at the company and in turn benefit the company. Like, we, we go looking at this position, like, okay, this is the position I'm looking at. These are the rules and traits they're looking for. But how many people are just in the wrong position, but don't know it? I, I, I think that a lot of people are in the wrong position and don't know it. It's be, and, and they're just approaching that thing in the same way that they always do because that's familiar to them and they get comfortable with that because the unknown is a very scary place if you do a different job that's scary that's a uh, that's a whole lot of risk and like that seems a lot scarier than dealing with the few shitty things about your job even though those things will weigh you down over time and you'll get resentful and angry and and you'll 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 miss out on an opportunity to value it because you don't see the contrast and you don't you don't have the opportunity to to see where your strengths lie and where they don't because you're only doing one thing. You need to continue to evolve and you need to continue to put yourself in different positions so that you can see, I've experienced this, I've experienced this. I know what I want to experience more because I have two different or multiple different experiences and I know that when I'm doing these things, I... That's where my true strengths shine. And if you're never given an opportunity to be in a different position where your, your, your strengths resign and like, you don't know your strengths until you engage with the unknown territory. And you're like, I'm just really good at this. What if you're just a naturally gifted football player? You just throw, you'd be the best quarterback ever. But if you never throw a football, how would you know that that's one of your strengths? Yeah, it's true. Well, and how do you find that? You know, finding that passion, finding that strength, finding what you're good at, finding even what you enjoy. How many of us, I mean, I know how many times I've spent watching Netflix, watching a show that is on, but I'm not paying attention. It's just there because I'm scrolling through something on my phone. Half-ass paying attention there. <laughs> I, I fully agree with you, and I have, I have the hardest time doing that too. Uh, I've had to force myself to be present with just watching a TV show. And it changes the comp- it completely changes the experience of that show all around because I'm present with trying to be present with just that one task and it makes watching TV more zen <laughs> like you were mentioning zen on your motorcycle you're in a completely re- reflexive state you're being fully present in the moment and anything that humans value anything that's what you're doing you're being fully present in the moment and that's why it's valuable because you're being present if you like golf if you like riding your motorcycle if you love cooking you love it so much because at that moment, you're fully absorbed in the present moment. And that is what makes things meaningful, being absorbed in the present moment. It's 
the human experience being present. And it's so beautiful because if you're just present, then like you, you have an opportunity to see the beauty and complexity all around you. You're, you're taking a second to, to literally embody an experience when you're cooking you're embodying an experience. You're like, I'm cutting this food. I'm throwing this together. Like this you're smell. present with what that experience has to offer. You, like you nailed it perfectly when you were just mentioning smells. Well, it's the feeling of cutting, you know, your knife cutting through vegetables or meat. It's the smells of everything you're cooking. It's the taste as you're tasting. And you have all the, like you have each spice. Cooking is a full immersive experience. You know, and, and anything, I think, if you're present, can be. I agree with you. Anything can be. Any, every single thing that you do can be that moment of being present with that thing. Uh, yeah. I love that, like, cooking is so beautiful, too. It's, like, so unique to the homo sapien experience. No other animal cooks their food. Like, and if you're fully present in cooking that food, if you're trying to actually observe what's being experienced... You're, you're observing something so unique to the human experience and that food will never be that cook that same way. Just like that cloud that we were talking about earlier will never be the same. It's such a unique experience. And if you, if you try to value it for what it is, a unique experience that it completely changes the meaning of that food to you. You can be, you could just be cooking any food and just thinking about all the things you're stressed about. And, and then you don't give yourself an opportunity to value what is happening in front of your eyes because you're choosing to live in the past or the future and you're sacrificing the present moment for that. And that doesn't feel, doesn't feel gratifying. Also nine times out of 10, you're probably going to end up with a better product because if you're fully present, you're going to be at that perfect moment. You're going to pull it off the stove. You're going to take it out of the oven. You're going to pull it off the grill. You're going to remember to let it rest. Like you're going to do everything to create that experience to be an amazing experience. But if you were so pulled away in every other aspect of things that are not even going on at this very second, you're going to miss out and your experience will be nothing it could have been. I think that you're absolutely correct. Gosh, you have such an amazing ability to like capture thought. I love it. <laughs> and like, I love that I'm sleep deprived right now because it's put me in a different mental state where I am thinking about things in a, in a little bit different way. I'm not as quick to the ball on like getting my thoughts across, but it's provided me an opportunity to be very present with what you have to say. And that it's given me an opportunity to learn more because I'm not able to have the same pattern recognition because my brain's at a different state frequency wise because I did not get enough sleep last night. And like, I was a little concerned about filming a podcast because I thought I would sound stupid and I, and I have, I haven't got my points across, but I'm so, I'm so happy that I, I still did it because that is exactly what we've been talking about this whole time is like things are so unique to this present moment and I'm valuing it for what it is. I'm not devaluing. I didn't get enough sleep, so I'm not getting my ideas across. And now this is a deficit bad experience. I'm choosing to value it for what it is. And I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to experience this in this way. 
because now it gives me contrast. So when I do have more energy and thinking, I'll experience it in a different way. And so like everything is just this constant moment of now that we can learn from. And it's so cool. Have yet another perspective, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting what happens when we when we stop and and listen to another, not to respond, not to put in our two cents, not to change or affect what they're saying, but to listen to just try and understand the perspective. Yes, there's a really good quote that says, "Listen with the intent to understand." not the intent to respond. And so many people don't give themselves the opportunity to fully understand what the other person has to say because they are so attached to their idea because they feel that their idea is important because they're having that idea and they need to share that because if they don't, then they miss out on an opportunity to to bring value. However, the most valuable thing you could do is just being present with what that person has to understand because you have you're you're missing out on an opportunity to learn. You're choosing to not have uh, experience where you're actually learning things because you're so absorbed in your subjective lens, and you have to get your idea out, and you're you're listening with the intent to respond, so you never fully understand what that person's ever saying because you're just so concerned with responding. And it's unfortunate that our language structure is set up in a way that kind of forces us to be impulsive. So when humans talk in English, we say, I, I, so, I, so say I have a problem. And this problem is I need to get someone to watch my dog. And so I say, hey, Brandon, can you watch my dog today? Your, the, the way people typically respond is, no, I can't watch your dog today because I have to take my mom to the hospital. But they already got the answer they were seeking in the first word, which was no. And so their brain automatically tries to think of the next thing to get that solution that they're looking for. It's the same solution that when we're hunter-gatherers, we're trying to get an apple. And so if we can't get an apple from this tree, well, we focus on the next apple that we can get from another tree. And so if we change the structure of our sentences, we can get different responses from people. So in that example, if the answer that I was looking for, you said no. The very first word I started automatically thinking of another thing to solve because we're just problem solvers. We're computers, literally biological computers. And if you were to change the sentence of your structure, it forces me to listen. So if you were to say, Sam, I'm taking my mother to the hospital today so I can't watch your dog. Now you have to be present with what they're telling you because they're giving you information and then at the end of the sentence they give you the no I cannot. So just changing the structure of your sentences forces people to pay attention until they get the answer they're seeking and if they get it from the first word then they're automatically thinking of how to solve the next problem and it's not that they're trying to be mean and not be present with that person. It's just that our brains naturally just try to go on to the next thing once we have an answer. And so you need to change the structure of your sentences and you need to change the way that you, that you speak. You need to create uh, a different thing. Like, so 
when when I changed, if you change the structure of your sentence, you're now creating a different environment. Um, and that's, it's something really, really important because if we can just change the structure of our sentences, we can start to get feedback the way that we want. And we give a people an opportunity for us to be present with them. And like being present and being kind with people is the only thing that heals emotional wounds. Like resentment, depression, or like resentment, anger, like all of these things that make you afraid and trigger your limbic system. The only way to make you feel safe is to be kind. Like animals have to feel safe in an environment. And when they're safe in an environment for uh, a, a long period of time, they're like, I feel safe here. Like, that's okay. And like, so we can make people feel safe just by changing the structure of our sentences. And we can be more present and connected to that human uh, just by being a little mindful of how we communicate. It's like crazy.